the Ghost Goal Podcast. It's been an eventful final international break before November's World Cup, as we've seen some pretty big upsets and the form of certain tournament favorites hanging by a thread as we enter two months to go before the big tournament. Plus, we got the Premier League coming back this weekend, including two big derbies. Uh, as Arsenal and Tottenham are going to face off next Saturday, 7.30 in the morning. Manchester City and Man- United are also going to face off Sunday at 9 a.m. We're going to preview those. But uh, first, we got some international break games to talk about with an eye towards this World Cup, like I mentioned. But welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 373. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Javier, do you get to enjoy many of the international break games this weekend? A few of them, but uh, it's been it's been uh, mostly a break break from footy for me for these last few days. Um, you know, the the internationals have kind of been at kind of weird times, two forty five, sometimes in the morning, sometimes the middle of the day. So I caught a few, you know caught glimpses of them here and there. Um, there were t- the today's game, the the Germany England game was a uh, turned out to be a a, a cracker. I'm sad that I missed the second half of that. I watched the first half, nil nil, and then yeah, wrong six half to goals watch. in the second half. <laughs> wrong half. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so, so some good upsets. But I'm not taking too much stock from this because a lot of these teams definitely are, you know, doing experimental things, last minute tinkerings before the World Cup. But you know, they're going to train for a couple of weeks, I think, before the World Cup. Do they still get a couple of weeks, or no? They just go straight into it. Barely. Uh- off the top of my head, which I'm not going to trust, I'm going to Google as I talk, but off the top of my head, the last round of games in the Premier League, I think, is November 12th and 13th. Yeah, so uh, Saturday, November 12th and 13th will be the last round of Premier League games. I'm guessing other leagues around uh, Europe and the rest of the world will close up after that. And then we've got the opening game of the World Cup uh, a week later. <laughs> so, no, they... they they get wow. barely so, yeah, any they time. Get a week to prepare. Yeah, it's crazy. I, this is going to be a really weird World Cup. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of upsets in this next World Cup. Um, the teams that are coming into the tournament most prepared are going to surprise. Yeah, I but no, a couple nobody's, of those teams. Nobody. Okay, yeah, I guess it makes sense what you're I saying. I was going to say uh, there, there's a few teams that are that look more prepared than others. Um, a few of them that I can call out. Uh, Switzerland, they got a big 2-1 result against Spain. They've been on a great run internationally for the last few years. You know, they've been, a they've been a hard team run. to beat. Yeah, a quietly, quietly good run. run. They've just been they've just been so hard to beat. They've beaten teams like France, now Spain. You know, they've I think they've beaten Germany. They they've taken some big scalps during these last few years and uh look for them to to be a team to you know, they they I think Manuel Kanji, now a Manchester City player, we haven't really talked about him, but uh, he was always a really good center back at Dortmund, and he plays for the Swiss national team. Xhaka played super well in that game against Spain. Um, and then, you know, Briel Mbolo, you remember that horrible injury he had a few years ago. He had a really, really good start to his career. I think it was on Schalke. And then he got a... a Moved to Mönchengladbach. ACL, yeah. yeah, ACL tear horrible you know it took him two or three years to get back to where he was but he seemingly you know kind of getting back to to that sort of stature of player for for Switzerland and and you know for for Mönchengladbach he's he's pretty good too so 
Yeah, they, Switzerland are, are kind of in their golden age right now, and they yeah, could be a fun team in the World Cup to watch. Let, let's pick at that theory a little bit, because that kind of gets me thinking. That gets me thinking that a, a trait that we should be looking for in, uh, you know, picking our favorites to, you know, do well or win the World Cup is a team that has an established chemistry, not a team that's, you know, in the middle of trying to find itself. You know, we can come up with plenty of big names uh, at, at the moment out of some of these teams that we've even seen this weekend. You know, England jumps to mind. France jumped to mind a little France, bit. France, Spain. Spain, absolutely. Germany to a degree. Though I would say like Hansi Flick has had about like a year and he's kept to the same group of players mostly with a couple of, you know, new additions recently here and there. And Switzerland, I think, are a really good shout. I'm not, I'm not saying I would be thinking Switzerland can win the World Cup, but it maybe this sort of like this established eleven that's been you know starting uh, tournaments for them for it feels like forever. Like Shakiri, Shaka, Akanji, you mentioned Elvedi, Jan Sommer, and goal. Uh, they've got a good mix of those experienced players. Oh, Rodriguez, their left back, uh, he's been playing for the national team forever, and he he's thirty now. They've got, that's like a good example of a team that's got like an established veteran uh, core that have played the majority of games in big tournaments the, the last you know couple of times out, and they've also got like some of this new generation like Zakaria who just came to Chelsea from uh, uh, Juventus. Um, there was that Okafor kid who scored against Chelsea in the Champions League for RB Salzburg. It doesn't look like he's been called up this time, but I mean he he impressed in the last Euros as well. That's a team that, like, maybe if they finish in the semifinals, that's probably too big of a of a call. But maybe that's like they could be a dark horse trait, team for that. Like yeah. that trait of them having that Core team together and they all sure. know each other is what could spur them to get to the the semifinals, while other teams are still trying to figure themselves out in the quarterfinals or something. We saw Switzerland go through against France in the last Euros on penalties. So, they, I mean, they've shown they can knock off a, you know, a very heavily favored and more talented team like France. Maybe they could do something uh, something else like that. That's an interesting thought. I'm going to be like looking out for that. That kind of brings me to what I wanted to ask you. Like, gun to your head right now, you're making a prediction. Who's your favorite to win the World Cup? Well, uh, hold that thought, Alex, because I had a few more teams that I wanted to... Really? Named yeah, there were a few more what teams the next that I wanted one? to name because I thought I was uh, the key, next the next one was Denmark. The oh, okay. Yeah, the next one was Denmark. Uh, another They're another example for like few, Switzerland for a few tournaments. Right, they've now had an established eleven. They've done well in a couple of tournaments. You know that they've gotten out, they got out of the group stage of that last World Cup. They had that you know Cinderella run in the Euros, and then I think they're set up for for a, another good run in the World Cup. You know, I think that they're another team that that can surprise, that can make a deep run. Um, another one is actually, believe it or not, Argentina. They are quietly. Didn't you, didn't you already pick them to win the World Cup last time we spoke? Yes, but yeah, I think a lot are of people quietly, are favoring them. Yeah, they. It's because they are on a uh, historic run right now. They are four international games away from the longest unbeaten run in international history. I think they're in, they're at thirty nine games unbeaten in international play and dating back to the beginning of the last Copa America. So 2019, July, 2019, they haven't lost a game in three years internationally. So for their next four games, I think the the last game that they play to break the record would be, I think they, they play Mexico in the world cup. So 
That'll be a that'll be a fun one. But yeah, they're they've been a, they're a team that's kind of had an established group of core players. It's obviously messy, um, but they have you know instead of these big name stars that usually have surrounded Messi, players basically like Di Maria, Aguero, Tevez, Higuain. Um, you know, Iguain, Crespo. I mean, it goes back, Raquel May. It, it goes back a huge list of players. That, Raquel May, not so much, but it, some of these players had, you know, big egos or wanted to score goals or wanted to be the, they wanted to be the man. He now has Lissandro Martinez, who, while he does, you know, want to score goals, the guy's a hard worker. You know, he wants to find Messi. He has Papu Gomez, who's another hard worker, you know, really skilled on the ball can find a goal, but again, just a hardworking midfield behind him in Rodrigo de Paul, Leandro Paredes, and uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. You know, all pretty... Rodrigo de Paul, I think, now is on Atletico Madrid, right? You moved there last year. Yeah, and uh, Paredes, I think, is on loan to Juventus from PSG. So, you know, some, some players on big teams. And then the back line, you know, we've seen Lissandro Martinez do well already on Manchester United. Um, that uh, German Pizella plays for Real Betis. I think Romero you know, from uh, Spurs. Yeah, That's, they got Romero. It's a very good center back pairing. Who uh, who was signed by Lyon? Used to play on Ajax. Um, and Molina, Nahuel Molina, who plays now for Atletico Madrid. Um, you know they 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 let Renan Lodi go because of uh, Molina. So, if you're Argentina, are you worried at all about this group? I mean, it's Saudi Arabia are the whipping boys of the group, and Mexico and Poland. I know Mexico and Poland are the team people will be like, oh, they'll fight it out for a second. But I don't know. Those aren't two pushovers. They could draw and lose those two games. Just saying. I just also the way that Messi's playing right now internationally, like he just feels like he's going to be a force in this next tournament. It really does. He's okay. playing really well for for but for his team. We'll we, see. We, we got to save some of this for uh, for whatever previews we uh, we do. Because uh, of course, of course, but you can only really you know, predict it when it gets the, as close the one as thing, possible. The, oh, another one that we haven't talked about: Julian Alvarez, Manchester City. Like he's oh, yeah. be just an X factor in the World Cup. Absolutely, yeah. I forgot you don't think about he that. could come out of nowhere and just no, like no, no, suddenly? I definitely, definitely do think he could. Suddenly, just stamp his name on it on everyone's minds. Uh, another one that. Uh, that has had a pretty good start to the season for Brighton. Alexis McAllister, he's been pretty good. He he comes off the bench for um, for Argentina. They have um, Angel Correa. He plays decent bit for Atletico Madrid. It, they've they've got a lot of a lot of good young talent. That hardworking talent. Not a lot of you know egos and and a, a team that's a, around Messi right now. So so would you favor Argentina over over? Do they jump to mind as one of your favorites before or before Brazil? That's what I'm going to ask because it seems like you talk yourself into one of Argentina or Brazil most times that we've talked about World Cups coming up. You know, it's only been like a couple times, yes, obviously, but um, like Brazil last time, I, you were 100 percent certain they were winning the World Cup. I was not one hundred. Yes, okay. Sir. Yes, you were, Javier. We have it all recorded. <laughs> why? Why make claims against it? It's all in the archive. We can dig it up if we want. <laughs> um, but no. But, but why are, do you just favor this Argentina team over Brazil because Argentina won the Copa America? You know, the monkeys off. Not just that, off but I think Messi's that. Back. I think that Brazil still is is a team that's in flux. You know. I think Neymar 
like they, I don't know fit, how much I believe they're, they're more in is. flux than Argentina. I'll agree with you. Yeah, they're more in flux. Like they have a lot of they have a lot of older players that probably should be gone already from the team, or players that are young that are coming into the wait, team, like Vinicius Junior. Wait, who, who are those older players that should be gone? Tiago Silva. What? Um, and then one of the best um, center backs in the world. Yeah, you think Gabriel he should, be should be Gabriel should be starting over him. I don't think you'll find a single Brazilian that will agree with you on that. <laughs> Gabriel Malagash, Malagash should be starting over Tiago, 39-year-old. Yeah, he just turned 38. Fuck. Thank you very much. He's going to yeah, get his ass out of here. He's the most capped defender in Brazilian national team history. He nah, just nah, won that record. You like unreal that? Player. More caps than yeah, Cafu, more caps than Roberto Carlos, I'm Carlos glad he Alberto. Finally won a Champions League. That's crazy. He won it on Chelsea. That's it's probably where he he probably thought he was going to go his whole career without winning the Champions League. That's crazy that he won it. So Good Brazil a little bit too in flux still. Yeah, Brazil too in flux. There Brazil's always a favorite. Brazil's never not been a favorite for a World Cup that they've been at. So uh Brazil's a classic favorite. Um But it's been 20 years since the South American team has won the World Cup. So uh has, if one of them's going to do it, it's going to have to be Brazil or Argentina cuz uh I just want to give a quick mention to Uruguay lost a friendly they played in Austria last week to Iran, one of the teams that's going to be playing against the U.S., England, and Wales in Group B. Uh, also, group like, B. watch South Americans are going to fucking show up to this World Cup, whereas I feel like a lot of Europeans will. Uh, I think a lot like, of Europeans South Americans will. Are still, still going to come in droves. Yeah, I mean, it's, close, it's closer to Europe than it is to uh, South America. It doesn't matter how close it is. South Americans Europeans are already like vacation in Dubai. Like Qatar is nothing to them, you know? Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, Uruguay losing to Iran feels a little significant because when you look at... I mean, again, I only watched like the, the extended highlights that I could find. Didn't look like Uruguay... Also, I, I do have to mention, it was announced, I think, earlier today that Araujo, the Barcelona center back, he's going to be out until after the World Cup, which is not only a huge loss for Uruguay and their, their chances, but for Barcelona as well. I mean, they've signed plenty of defensive replacements to manage, but uh, Araujo is, seems to be the best like defensive option they have in their team. And he was playing really well, so... Yeah, it's going to be a huge miss for them. And, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to Iran because they actually do have, you know, they've got more proven quality players than they had last time they were in the World Cup in 2018. Uh, like Sadar Azmoun and uh, what's his name? Uh, Saman Godos, the uh, Brentford winger who scored that crazy goal last year. Jan, yeah, Jan Bach, who, who played for Jan, Brighton. But, yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely have, got a more Taremi, established of course. squad. They have two like Champions yeah, League quality strikers. Good, yeah. Taremi and Azmoun, who plays for Leverkusen now. And he played for Zenit and scored against Chelsea last year. So Iran are... They're not going to be pushovers, is what I'm trying to say. They got like a pretty well-earned result against like a very strong first team from Uruguay. Like Darwin Nunez played. Luis Suarez. Uh, Valverde from Real Madrid played. Uh, yeah, it was pretty much their first... Araujo played, and I think that's when he got injured. Um, so... Might be a little bit of a worrying uh, World Cup for Uruguay, but let me just take a look at their group. They're in a pretty tough group with Portugal, Ghana, Korea, and Uruguay. Yeah, they're probably not making it out of that group. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good for them. <laughs> I mean, who knows? They have the, the striking options that maybe Darwin or Luis Suarez or maybe even Cavani are playing well, but it seems like it's just coming at the wrong time uh, for their, their transition. So... Bet the under on Uruguay's final placement. 
Do you want to talk about any other uh, World Cup-related topics? I guess we should hit on the USA. By the time this is out, they'll have played another game. They, they play a friendly on Tuesday against yeah, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, the USA Arabia. Was, was very disappointing against Japan. I mean, I thought I watched that most of that game, and they just have useless possession. They just pass the ball between their center backs, you know, get it to the wing back and cross the ball into the box, and it's just it's so one-dimensional and boring and shit. It's just Japan were so much more threatening on every time that they had the ball and looked like a team that knew what they were doing, whereas the U.S. looked like a team that just could not play at that level. I think they're going to get crushed in the World Cup. The U.S.? Yep. So looking at the team... If they play like that, if they play like that... Looking at the team they started, they did start both Reyna and uh, Brendan Aronson in the front three along with uh, Jesus Ferreira. The uh, I think Dallas uh, center forward. Then they had Tyler Adams, McKinney, and De La Torre in midfield. So well, okay. So out of the front line and midfield, those two groups of three, they had two out of the three probable starters. I guess Pulisic will probably start over Ferreira or Aronson, and then Aronson would drop into midfield for De La Torre. With Pulisic back in, that I mean, you can't deny that gives them a that should give them a big boost. I know he's not playing well for Chelsea, but you'd figure he'd step up a bit for the the national team. And then the back line, they didn't have Anthony Robinson, and they played uh, what's his name, the Red Bulls, Aaron Long, the center back. He, he's just come back into that the national team from a long term injury that he suffered in MLS, like at the beginning of this past season, I think. And then you've got maybe the possibility of Stefan playing over Turner. I'm not 100% sure that's going to happen, but, you know, it's a possibility. So there are a lot of players you can chop and change in this lineup that improve them a lot. But it is a worrying performance. Like they, they like you said, they didn't look great. You would still expect better, but I think there still is room to grow. And frankly, like England aren't impressing anyone too much recently. Like they're the, obviously the the big team in that group, and then you got Wales and Iran. Those seem like kind oh, of toss ups. Another team, another team that I mean, England should do well in this next World Cup because they're a team that's been together for a long time. But then another team that looked, I think, not that great was Germany in that game. I mean, I thought that they were okay, but they're definitely a young team. You know, they're a team that's that's trying to find their next star. You know, and they had a decent performance in that second half. Um, from what I saw from the highlights, but uh, at least in the first half, England England had most of the play. So I think England have an established style, and, and they're going to get wins the way that they play, and, and they have the players to do it. So England are, are another team that might do well in this next World Cup. Even sadly. with their even with their like pretty worrying form recently, like they haven't won in like six games. They lost to Italy before this three three they had with Germany. Yeah, but today. Italy were shit before the Euros too, and then they went to the finals. I don't think they were shit. They were on like an unbeaten run for like 25 games going into that Euros. They uh, they were doing really well. I think in competitive games, maybe it was. But uh, what was I going to say? England, I think they, they should be a little concerned. Like Gareth Southgate staying this committed to Harry Maguire, played him in both of the, the uh, Nations League games over this international break, gave away a penalty today and like gave away the ball for another goal. Like the, everyone else sees it. And would scream at Southgate if they ever met him. Like, why the fuck are you starting Maguire? Like, what is your thought process? But he just refuses to give in. Like, he has Fikayo Tamori right there from the Serie A winning AC Milan team who could play left center back, 
did it well for Chelsea in his like very young years. I, I just don't see why he doesn't he didn't at least try it this international break. But other than that, I mean, Maguire could completely tank the tournament for them. We've seen seen England players make big mistakes to tank the tournament at the World Cup, like specifically, plenty of times before. And Maguire's got that written all over his forehead. They have the options to, you know, fix it, but you just haven't seen Southgate change it uh, in, in, in even like exhibition games, let alone let alone like important games. So I think they should be aiming to win it, but I don't think they're going to win it. I think the best chance this England team had to win meaningful silverware is uh, long gone. They had the chance to win it at Wembley last year. They choked. And a whole new generation of England fans will learn what their fathers learned before them. (laughs) All right, uh, let's move on to some of these Premier League games. Uh, We've got two big ones in mind. There's others going on, but... uh, the big one kicking off things uh, with the Premier League coming back Saturday at 7.30 a.m. is Arsenal hosting Tottenham, the North London Derby. First versus third, is it? I think Tottenham are in third, right? Yeah, they're third. How are we feeling, Javier? Excited? Anxious? What are we, what are we feeling like? I mean, definitely excited. You know, I'm uh, I'm hoping that these little that Thomas Partey starts. We need that. We absolutely need Thomas to start. And we need uh, Odegaard fit. I just want my full first team to come back from these international breaks. You know, if 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 they all come back, right? We got to get the disclaimer. Fit. The disclaimer is that we are recording on Monday night. Uh, yeah, the so, way like, too early predictions. I don't know, like what this game's going to look like. You know, if I'm, we do usually beat Tottenham at home, so I'm excited for. But you haven't played Conte's Tottenham at home right yet, have you? You played them. Uh, Last time you guys played them, you got absolutely steamrolled, right? Yeah, that was yeah, that was a uh, that was at their place. So we definitely owe them one, and uh, we're we're gonna come to play in this one. Tottenham have looked inevitable so far this season, though, and I'm definitely curious to see if we can uh, we can end their unbeaten run. And Arsenal don't really draw, so I think there's a team's gonna win that game. I, I can it, see it, this going very similarly to the Chelsea Tottenham game. I, I think you guys will be on top of them the whole game, and they'll just hang in it by the skin of their teeth. You guys will probably go up, and they may like threaten to come back, but I think in the end you'll have enough to to hold them off. Maybe maybe you get unlucky like we did, and you know Romero yanks. I think we'll dominate possession. Do any of your like players we'll have long enough ball. hair for them to pull? Is that uh, as long as Saliba comes back? Javier, this is a serious question. I don't know why you're de- deflecting this. Do any of your players have long enough hair for them to pull? I mean, I Ooh. guess if El Neni doesn't start, you'll you'll be fine, right? Right. Yeah, we'll you're be fine. fine. You'll be fine. All we right, won't good. pull anyone's hair. Yeah, Chelsea made that terrible error of signing signing someone with long flowing hair for Tottenham players to yank on. I'm I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter. I'm glad that most of Tottenham's players are playing internationals like Kane and Dyer. Why is Dyer an England international? Oh my god. Because Dyer's Dyer been god. playing well. He's he's not yeah. been Dyer. He's actually been pretty good in the center of that back three. And that, that's the frustrating yeah, thing about Tottenham. Uh, like the, the Hoiberg, Bentancourt midfield is kind of, it's kind of formidable to get through. It's scary to see, you know, Richarlison doing well, Kane, Son, Kulishevsky. Yeah. They just have a, a, a firing front four right now. That's just being able to hold that back. I want to see, uh, I want to see how Saliba and Gabrielle and White and, uh, I, I think Tierney had a little injury. We'll see if Tierney comes back and is fit. You know, either Tierney or Zinchenko. Well, I'm sure we'll play one of them. I think I prefer Tierney in the against 
such pacey opposition? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know my position. I think Tierney and Zinchenko should play and Shaka should be left out, but you're, you're not going to have any of that. So, Oh, absolutely not. We'll leave Xhaka that for another time. Shaka will not be moved from this team right now. All right, man. I'm just telling you what He's you guys need. Much, the hard, the too difficult much decisions God, you need Alex. to make to improve, to get even Listen, better. Shaka would be your best midfielder right now. <laughs> like, not close. What not joke, close. Dude. Granite would be your best midfielder right Xhaka now. Couldn't, not close. Xhaka couldn't clean Kovacic's boots. Kovacic can't even get on the field to put those boots on. He's what are you never talking fit. about? He's amazing. Piece of he's, shit. He's fit right now. He's playing for Croatia. Um, yeah, he's doing well. He's he's fine. He was injured to start the season, but he's back now. And Shaka uh, couldn't clean his boots. Um, <laughs> I do want to mention about this uh, this Tottenham team. Like I said, you guys are going to dominate the play. You're going to dominate possession. And if Tottenham do get a result, you'll be as bitter and twisted as I was after it happened to us. I'm not saying that will happen, but if Tottenham did manage to squeak it, it will feel like injustice to you. That being said, Tottenham do have the ability to like play and press much higher up than they usually do for like 10 minute spurts at times. And when they choose to do it, they, they can, you know, generate a lot of chaos and force a lot of mistakes. And that's where they aim to score most of their goals. They, or they aim for you to fall apart in the process and give them even more. We're going to need Gabriel to be on his bullshit because they're going to press him a lot. Well, Gabriel, I was going to say, uh, again, it's, it's hard to say because we, we don't have the team sheets in front of us. Uh, Odegaard could be absolutely pivotal to, you know, connecting that back line to the forward line. And then uh, Zinchenko, possibly, if he starts instead of Tierney. He's, I mean, if he if he's allowed to start and he does that thing where he drifts into midfield and just sort of keeps possession with Partey and, and Xhaka, then, then you guys could be in business. But if not, it's going to take someone like Odegaard dropping in to, like, make up for that. So we'll see. Tottenham definitely have like as many weapons like on the counterattack as Manchester United did, right? Like I know they're not at home like United were, but United had like a couple of quick balls in behind to Rashford and that Arsenal oh, defense absolutely. was opened right up. That's got to be a worry with Son and Richarlison. Yeah, no, I mean the way that we got carved up by Manchester United, but then Brentford tried a similar thing. You know, they tried to sit back like Manchester United did in a low block with uh, quick pacey players and... You know, try to try to get the ball into players like Tony, and it, it it didn't work as well when Brentford tried to do it. So we'll see if, I mean, I trust Arteta right now, and I think that he'll learn from that first game against Antonio Conte. You know, that was the first time that he played against him, and and he got you know destroyed. So my hope is that he learned from that experience, and that we have a better game plan going into this game. Also, we're going to be at home. We're going to have the crowd behind us. Arsenal have been really good at home. Hey, we've won every single game out of that United game. So I think the Brentford game was a was a great, great bounce back. And, and Fabio Vieira, he's he's a player who I didn't expect to already be in my thoughts. But he, would, he you would be, be comfortable playing time. him in this game. He's so good. No, I'm, I'm not saying he's not good. I, I just feel like wouldn't you I, I rather feel like if they're like trying Odegaard to press us and then yeah, have I mean, Vieira maybe for the maybe he's the, yeah, maybe he can come on. Yeah, he can or come, come on, on yeah. sixty 65th minute, 70th minute. To, to help us keep the ball because he's the type of player who, he doesn't really lose the ball. He's kind of unpressable. So we need those types of players all around the team fresh the whole time. So yeah, uh, depending, I mean, we obviously need Odegaard. He's our captain. He's, he's been on awesome form and he's been so good for us. So I do, I do want Odegaard to play, but Vieira, Vieira should be getting game time as well. He scored a beautiful goal. He played so well for us. And, uh, 
you know, I want to see more of him as well. I'll see my very early prediction. I think Arsenal win 3-2. Fuck it. I'll say I'll sure say 4-3. 4-3 four, three. Four, three Arsenal. 4-3. Crazy game. A crazy North London derby. Nothing more we want to see in the world than a, a crazy high-scoring North London derby. We used to get them all the time, but they uh, they've become a bit rare now. I should mention, we uh, are going to be reacting to that one, just like we did the last North London Derby on Instagram Live. Uh, that game's kicking off at 7.30 in the morning. It should end around uh, 9.30 on uh, Saturday morning. So uh, Javier, uh, our uh, Tottenham supporting friend, Mark, uh, of Cyclone Sports, uh, if you haven't followed at Cyclone Sports on Instagram yet, he'll be joining us. Uh, I'll be on there too. I'll probably be keeping my trap a little shut as I uh, listen to these two bicker about whatever has just uh, happened in that game. But it should be a fun one. We'll uh, be on for like 20, maybe 30 minutes before those uh, 10 a.m. games uh, kick off. Uh, I will just mention some of those games. Part of that 10 a.m. slate, Bournemouth-Brentford, Crystal Palace-Chelsea for Graham Potter's first uh, game or Premier League game as uh, Chelsea manager. Fulham, Newcastle, Liverpool, Brighton, Southampton, Everton, and then West Ham Wolves at 12.30, which will then bring us to Sunday, which starts off 9 a.m. Manchester City, Man United. Big Manchester derby, the first meeting between uh, Pep Guardiola and Eric Ten Hag's new look Manchester United. United have had you know good showings against top six teams that so far this season, but both of those have been at home. The wins over Liverpool and Arsenal. We're going to get to see how they can handle uh, you know the true cream of the crop in the Premier League. Do you think United should have uh, you know calls to be optimistic in this, or uh, do you think they should just be like looking to get anything out of the game, like a draw? I feel like would be yeah, great I mean- for them. This has been another bogey team for Manchester City, right? I mean, no matter how bad Manchester United's form has been, they have somehow been able to pick themselves up for this game, and they always seem to show up for this derby. So, like once a year, I think the way one of the two games they usually yeah one of win. the two games they usually show up in this. So, they are on a four-game winning streak in the league. You know, they had their game against I think Leeds postponed. So, this is a big game to be to be coming off their win streak. But I mean, they're going to be confident. I think that they're gonna they're gonna sit back and Manchester City haven't been they've been good, but I wouldn't say they've been like shredding the league. You know they've had really? a couple of draws. I mean, yeah, they've had a couple of draws where they've looked. The, the draws are to who? Newcastle and Aston Villa. Yeah, so I think this, that this just is, feels this like this is another game where they could draw possibly. That just feels like like City's usual like slow for them start to the league. You know, like they lost to Tottenham in the opening game of last season. You know, this time now they've just drawn two games instead in the opening seven or eight, whatever it is. I, I don't actually think like there's really anything to be worried about for Manchester City. Maybe like some defensive things to figure out. Like they're, maybe they're still trying to figure out their best pairing, you know, with a Kangji coming in. They now have to choose between a Kangji, Ruben Diaz, and uh, John Stones and Nathan Ake. So, yeah, maybe they're going to have some games where they have like Nathan Ake playing and he makes a mistake. But, you know, Nathan Ake is a pretty good player to have as your fourth choice center back. So I still think City are, you know, absolutely walking the league. I completely miss Laporte. Yeah, exactly. The fact that I can forget about Americ Laporte is uh, number one, embarrassing on my part. And number two, evident of just how many defensive options they have. Jesus, they have so many center yeah. backs. Yeah. I mean, some of them are a little injury prone, like Stones and Laporte pick up injuries that keep them out for, you know, weeks at a time sometimes. But that's where, you know, the other players come into it. That being said, 
all all signs point towards Manchester City. I'm really looking forward to seeing Lissandra Martinez, 5'9", uh, you know, how he defends uh, Erling Haaland at that back post. We've already seen Haaland get on the end of a couple of crosses from, you know, left to right to the, the back post, and he just comes in and powers a header on and all six foot five of Holland is going to be, you know, throwing himself at, you know, every Joao, Joao Cancelo curled ball like he did against uh, Dortmund for Holland's winner. Uh, Phil Foden, I think, played one of those little dink balls and like for, to the back post from the left side. And so is De Bruyne. That's like that's going to be food and drink to Holland unless Martinez and the rest of that United defense can find a way to keep him out. I don't think they get United have any chance at a clean sheet here. I'll admit it if I end up being wrong. I think the best they could probably manage is like a 1-1, but I think City end up winning it like 3-1. But like a close 3-1. I don't want it to be like, I don't want it to seem like I think United have no chance at all. It'll be a good fight, but I think City just end up coming out on top. How about you? I I think City continue their slow start in this one and I think United get a result. I'm going to say 2-2. Okay. I think City defensively aren't quite at the level that they want to be. I think Holland's still going to score some goals, and but I think United right now they're they're in a really good place offensively, and I I think that they're they're going to keep up their new manager bump that just had a little delayed start at the beginning of the season. All right, so uh, closing out the rest of the Premier League weekend, we'll have uh, Leeds Aston Villa eleven thirty on Sunday, and then Monday we'll uh, end the weekend. Leicester City hosting Nottingham Forest in uh, what's looking like an early relegation six-pointer. So it should be two pretty desperate teams that are both trying to score as much as possible. Yeah, you've got to think Leicester are going to look at that game and be like... They're desperate. They have to got to fucking win this, no, man. A draw is not, this is not acceptable. No, you can't draw against Nottingham Forest now. You have to beat them now. All right, well, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode of the Ghost Goal Pod. Uh, thanks for jumping on, Javier. Again, uh, reminder to everyone, this Saturday, most likely 9.30 a.m., right after uh, the North London Derby, Arsenal-Tottenham, the final whistle goes on that. Javier and I will be jumping on Instagram Live at Ghost Goal Pod, along with a uh, Spurs fan friend of the pod, Mark Kiley. Keep an eye out for that one, even if you can't, uh, you know, watch watch it live Saturday morning. We'll post that to the Ghost Goal uh, feed and you guys will be able to watch it back there. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can do so at JavierRev9. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMoss92. And again, the podcast socials on Instagram and Twitter are at GhostGoalPod. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a rating and review. All those new ratings and reviews uh, help new listeners to find the pod, and we'd really appreciate it if you guys threw us some help to grow this thing. So enjoy the games this weekend, everyone. And until next time, See you.